From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast. It's the Friday Roundtable. Brought to you by our friends at Clearview Auto Glass, and it's at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and wherever you get your podcast app. And uh, we are joined here in the studio today by political insider Nathan Carancy, by Carol Dick, who's been uh, a Green Party candidate several times, and for the first time in the studio for the roundtable, uh, Ward 8 Councilor Steve Lehman is here. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Good afternoon, Hello. Craig. Hey, Craig. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Uh, before we get to the news, let's address uh, the, the big important thing that's happened recently. Congratulations to Nathan on becoming a father. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for all your very kind messages, especially uh, Steve. A very classy gesture that I will leave private, but thank you very much, Steve, for that. You look tired, Nathan. Uh, hey, listen, we're doing it one day at a time. <laughs> uh, very exciting news there, and congratulations to uh, to your wife, Sarah, as well, and uh, and everybody in the fam. I'm, I'm going to be seeing... Uh, I'm going to be seeing Nono next week when he's on the round. Table. Oh yes, so, yeah. excellent, good. Well, he uh, he had to download Snapchat because he was that was the order we gave him, and he was very eager to do that, and is yeah. saving everything we send him. So there he's uh, he's never been happier, and neither awesome. have we. So that's awesome. Yeah, very very cool. Uh, let's let, let's get into the uh, the news items of the week, and, and and first thing we want to talk about is the is the hubs decision that we got at council this week, and it was essentially to go along with the staff recommendation, which is hubs that go. Uh, a couple near the hospital, one uh, at my sister's place there, the more controversial one, Northwest London, which we'll talk about. Uh, Steve, you voted in favor of this plan. Why did you think that was the right decision? Uh, well, great question. You know, this has been a long time coming. Um, and what I said last night is the challenging part is you go from whiteboard to implementation. Um, so all the planning by so many folks that put a lot of you know, time into this. Um, uh, now comes the time when Londoners uh, really learn, I think, in more detail uh, what this is all about. Um, in general, my feeling from the city is that uh, I think they're really pleased that London is uh, uh, at the forefront here of taking a unique uh, step in addressing um, a situation that we see at many cities across Canada. Um, but for sure, once you get into specific locations, uh, and I'll identify the one up on Fanshawe specifically, cause that seems to be where mm -hmm. the most uh, concern is, um, it's challenging, right? Um, the folks up there, uh, have, uh, various concerns and, uh, there's a big unknown. Uh, this hasn't been done before. Uh, so when things are unknown, uh, there can be s apprehension, let's put it that way. Um, and which we are all aware of. So mm. I'll, what I'll say to that, I supported, I supported, uh, these hubs locations, but the Fanshawe hub is still, still needs uh, zoning change. Right. So that will come to pack. I'm the chair there. Um, and there will be an opportunity for folks in the area or anyone, quite frankly, to speak to it for uh, committee members and other counselors. Uh, to address those concerns that we hear directly with staff and then debate. Uh, so there is an opportunity, uh, as I believe there should be, by the way, and I said that last night, for any zone, for any locations that are going to come before us, there needs to be that public input. So for Fanshawe, um, that is not uh, totally a done deal because it does require uh, to go through the zoning process. 
I think that um, while I agree that it needs to go to planning committee to be able to be rezoned, it is unfortunate that the public input for this type of thing will have to be focused on the zoning aspect. You know, we've talked a lot about the public input that may or may not have happened before these locations were chosen um, in terms of the sessions that were mm -hmm. throughout the city. I think it was maybe a month or a couple months ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, there were several me, of them through the summer. Yeah. Right. And for me, those would have been the time um, or those style of public input sessions would have been appropriate for right now where people would not be limited to their criticism of zoning or, you know, that type of thing at planning uh, uh, committee. I think that you know, I've been a critic of this plan from the beginning. I think there's a lot of exposures um, that are uh, on the horizon, uh, and we're going to have to see uh, where they go. But, you know, unfortunately, what you see is now public input starting to come in, which the public always has a right to do. And I mean, if there's one thing that I, um, you know, it, it's a little frustrating is just to see the, you know, some of these standards of care, some of the things that were put into this plan on the whiteboard, as you say, Steve, now come to implementation and I don't believe that it actually reflects the whole of community. And I don't believe that it actually reflects the viewpoints of, um, you know, all of the people that are now starting to criticize. And this is the exposure that we see. And this is what happens a lot uh, in this city. Is so, there ever going to be a plan that everyone likes though? Was well, that ever but, an option here? But see, again, that's always used as a criticism when, you know, it's, it's not even a criticism. I think it's just reality though. Okay. But yeah. we could say the same thing about bus rapid transit. We sure. could say the same thing about Budweiser Gardens. We yep. could say the same thing about the library downtown. I mean, but and we went we ahead with argue. some of those, right. and not and some could, of those, right? And yeah. But we can debate and discuss the you know plan on its merits, and I don't think that you know I was troubled from the beginning that councilors are left out from access at the table. I understand that was a choice by a majority of council, but there were st still certain councilors that wanted to be there. Um, I was troubled by the fact that when I saw some of the standards of care, that you know the radical right winger in town known as. Peter Fragascados was criticizing <laughs> harm reduction, you yeah. know, as part of those standards of care. That was frustrating. Um, and now people are starting to see that. And, you know, I just think that there's been a lot of uh, flippant speak for the critics of this, um, you know, towards the critics of this. And I think that, uh, you know, we're going to reap what we sow. We're going to be able to see this. I, I'm a little bit more open to things on hospital lands or things, you know, towards the outskirts of the city. But when they do get into the suburbs without those suburbs input in advance, I mean, that in terms of the process is not um, not something that I'm super happy to see. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I've got time for, hey, are we sure about this? And hey, what about this concern? But when the letters include... Well, I have a Tim Hortons at 1.8 kilometers away from the hub. Like that, that I think that cheapens the the case of the critic, does it not? Well, like, no, it cheapens the case of that critic yeah. and that specific person that said it. But that cannot be used as a uh, justification for criticizing the whole right. of, of the critics. I mean, I have a lot of things to say, but I mean, there's a lot of people that would agree with me. That, what was it that Mitt Romney said about Donald Trump when he accepted his uh, 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 endorsement for president? I accepted his endorsement for president. That doesn't mean I, I accepted a lot of people's endorsement for president. It doesn't mean I would then endorse all of them to be president as well. So, right. you know, we, we, you know, we, we really do have to, to take people seriously and, uh, you know, hear out their concerns. And I think there's Nathan, I'm going to push back if, if I can. I know. I'm sorry, Carol. No, no worries. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to um, uh, get in uh, etiquette areas here. No, um, Steve, go ahead. Okay. Um, what you're implying a bit, Nathan, is that public input still need to be done. Well, there were 10 town halls done uh, across the city. I was at one. 
uh, in Byron because that was the closest one to my ward. Uh, ward 8 and Ward 9 is Byron, just across the river. Uh, there were 80 people, and it was, uh, it was a, a lively Q&A. Uh, there was a presentation portion, but the most, mostly it was Q&A. And for the most part, I think people had their concerns addressed. For there's some that will never agree to this, whatever you say. So I'm satisfied, and that was the plan as a whole, and now we're coming down to specific locations. So I think a specific location like Fanshawe, there's... I don't take this lightly. There is another PPM that's going to be held right down at City Hall that you can come down and express your concerns. And listen, if those concerns are not adequately addressed by staff and, and uh, the operator, um, then counselors might, you know, go, well, this night might not be the, the place, you know. But so far, it's good enough to get to that stage. For me, it is anyway. Well, the public participation sessions that happened were before there were locations, for sure. Correct. They were before the standards of care mm -hmm. were articulated, that I would highlight harm reduction was a part of it, that I know a lot of people have, have really come full circle or flipped their opinion on from 10 years ago, um, or, you know, 10 years ago-ish, five years ago-ish. Um, that, that was, that was t discussed at the town hall I was at, harm reduction, by the way. Right, but it was not a defined standard of care as articulated by the um, whatever the committees are. I know there's there's four of them with a different name. I guess the point is the this is going to be judged by people. The success rate, what, what's going to be defined? What, what, how are we going to define success, in other words? And I think that people, everybody in this city has um, an understanding of and an experience with this crisis that we're seeing. For somebody, it's that every time they go into work, they pass you know, the guy that's uh, in the doorway uh, to the place next door. For another business owner in another place, it's, you know, they see somebody using drugs on their way to work or they find something in the park. Ultimately, the measure of success is going to be, do people see those things getting better as this goes along, as we spend this money and as we do this. I, I, can I interject and disagree? I, I don't think the measure of success is what other people see. I think it's what happens to the individuals that go through the program. I want to know where they've gone. I would measure success by somebody who's been able to turn their life around, who's been in a marginalized situation and now they've got a job and maybe they've got a home. I, I don't care so much about what people are seeing. And obviously, you know, that's part of it, it's a factor, is the fact that we've got 2,000 homeless people in the city. But my benchmark for what success is, is what has happened with those individuals that have gone through the hubs? Well, the people that are paying for this are going to be the taxpayers that are seeing this crisis. The way it's been framed by the largest champions of this uh, uh, whole of community response, including and especially the mayor, is that there's a crisis on the streets. Everybody sees it and we need to address it mm -hmm. for them. So, I mean, you know, sure. I'm just using the justifications of the people that are, are championing the project most. But don't you think that they would want to see, like you can have people get off the streets as well in very horrible ways and they can be off the streets. So if you're going to be paying for this, you're measuring your success, your benchmark is how many people you have been able to help get meaningful employment or overcome mental health issues or addictions issues. That should be your bar of success. Well, there's two things with that because number one, there's not a big wall that goes around London. And we've discussed this, it's being discussed right. at council, that if we're helping a ton of people, are we not just going to be attracting more people from out of town where those services don't exist? So in other words, we could be doing that for people that are in crisis here in town, and we could have, you know, one and a half, 
two times as many people on the streets in the core that are affecting everybody's way of life. That would not be a success as articulated by the measures of success that the mayor and other people that are large champions of this. But furthermore, we're also assuming that when we put people in these hubs, that we have that transitional housing to, to put them there. Now that's something that you're gonna be dealing with at, at, at PEC that I know you're aware of, where you know, how long are people going to be staying here? And if it's too long, does it meet the zoning requirements that have been defined? And if we don't have those places to transition them, they would be there because they have nowhere else to go. So these are issues, like that issue specifically will be uh, at planning committee and there'll be plenty of people that, that can articulate that. But you know, we, we have to, if we're going to expect taxpayers and people, residents of the city of London, law-abiding business owners, employees, um, you know, anybody to finance this plan and be a part of it, then we have to understand what their measure of success is. And what their measure of success is, do I continue to find needles in the park? Am I able to walk down the Thames Valley Parkway? Can I open my business? Can it sustain? You know, these are certainly measurables if in fact this is a whole of community response. If it's not, if it's just targeted at the people, if this is a healthcare plan, then that's a different you know, conversation in its entirety for the municipality to but, come up with that. But, but I also, sorry, I just feel like the, it's, the hubs are just one part of that though. There is gonna be other pieces to the puzzle. We have got our $26 million plus other you know, funding coming in. The hubs are just one part. So you can't put everything just on the hubs. There will be other aspects as well. And you know, the hubs are innovative. So this is something that we can try. We can use adaptive management. We can see what's a success, what's not. We can then fix and adjust. But I put a lot of faith in YOU, Adlosa, and CMHA. I respect them all. They've got great plans put ahead. And I feel like this is an opportunity we should be taking. I, go ahead. Carol, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the reasons why I did support it because I looked at the organizations that are going to be running these hubs and I compared these hubs, quite frankly, to a vir virtual hospital. Um, you know, 20 years ago or so, we lost uh, both uh, psychiatric hospitals in London and mm -hmm. St. Thomas. So that's about 700 beds. Uh, we have about just over 100 uh, LHSC uh, mm -hmm. mental health beds. And you say, wow, we see 500, 600 folks on the street suffering. It's, it, I don't think it's any coincidence that those, I think those are related, right? For sure. So Absolutely. I think the best solution, quite frankly, and I said last night, is for the province to build a facility, a proper hospital for mental health and addiction. Uh, yeah. But A, um, how, long, how long is that to ha gonna happen um, from talking about to actually seeing built and I don't think we can wait for that. We have to do something now. So let's build um, a virtual hospital, 15 hubs. By the way, the first four of these hubs are not financed by the London taxpayers. They are not. Uh, and I don't believe the London taxpayer can afford to run a hospital. They, can't, nope. they don't run Victoria Hospital. Uh, what's going to happen is the province is going to have to look at this model. They're going to say, what's the cost per bed? What is the effectiveness, the impact on those suffering mm -hmm. uh, and the community? And is this the solution or is the, are there other solutions? What this does, though, is give a working model. And if it's deemed to be, you know what, this is a way the province can go because they're going to fund it. Then it can be put into other cities in Ontario to mitigate, which I, I understand what you're saying, people coming into London and overburdening the system that's already under duress. Right. Well, I, I don't see municipalities having success making policy for the province very often. 
And while this may be a uh, you know proverbial pilot project, if we're going to call it that, and the funding is going to be coming from donations, um, for now, I mean, do we anticipate honestly that if this doesn't work and there is backlash and it's not actually turning people into proper housing, do we anticipate a very easy snap of the fingers? Actually, we're going to stop operating, funding the operations of these in year two, in year three. I, I don't it know. Comes, but this is a two-year this is a two-year run. Which well, you got to give some runway so they mm -hmm. can make a, a operational plans. But after two years, it's going to come before us, and I'm going to be asking those questions. There's no right. doubt about it, right? I think there's a number of things that are going to. There's a lot of potential to have a lot more community support behind this plan, in my opinion. And I think that to the extent that there's criticism and has been both on the floor of council and within the community, I believe that a lot of that, there's not been an effort to find and build bridges at these tables and, you know, in terms of the, 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 the whiteboard material or in the implementation right, of but it. I think have, they've been disdained. If you have the police, though, you have the hospital folks, you have EMS, you've got yeah, all these people in the room. Isn't that right. the definition of, of, of building bridges? Well, but not some, really, because yeah. substantively, what are those people offering? I don't have the answer to all of those, but I could tell you for some of those groups, for example, the police. I mean, yeah. I've spoken with people that have been in that room, right. and it's not like they are... They they're not representing that they have a you know championing all of this and they have mm -hmm. you know they have an opportunity to give their input but they've there's certainly things in this plan that you know there's been a lot of question marks and remain question marks there but they're not the ones that yeah. are presenting this plan at city hall or beyond so I understand there's people at the table but you know to the extent that they give input or yeah. can help shape the plan that remains and, to be and, seen and one thing you've been critical on this process for. Our a long time on it, and I agree with you on entirely. Is there there should have been politicians in those rooms without question, and that and, and uh, that, that that I think was a, was a miss. Yeah, and how can we expect other levels of government? I mean, we've heard directly from the current member of parliament in London North Centre, who is from my <laughs> from my read. Again, I'm a conservative; he's a liberal, but I mean, pretty well respected within the community. Yes. And this was the first criticism that he gave. For example, we talk about harm reduction. This is another one. He is a champion of harm reduction. I'm not. But he has spoken about the kind of, he has the, the scars of that process, going through the, the proper procedures to get those things done. And this was one of the things he highlighted. Hey, how can we be expected to finance or help finance a plan like this when we know the local politicians haven't even been in the room to, to shape it? And how can we, you know, it, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, criticism from people to, from my political left here. It's not just kind of the mm -hmm. radical fringes that are speaking up. And when it's framed that way, I think there's a lot of credibility that's lost um, from the strongest champions uh, uh, in the community. Carol, where do you think people in London in general are at on this plan? Well, I mean, I can give more of a perspective from my area. So I, 705 Fanshawe is literally like right in my backyard. It is five minutes away. I'm constantly in the businesses up there. And... I knew all about the um, the town halls they were going to be having during the summer. We were reminded constantly about them. So everyone was very interested. And I know from knocking on doors, especially if you're here in Old North, the number one issue over and over again, if you were to ask people, they would say the homelessness issue. And they kept saying, we have to deal with this as a city. Then, of course, there's the pushback. The funny thing is, when they were talking about the hubs, I thought, oh, if there's going to be one in this area, I bet you there's going to be pushback. As soon as my husband and I saw that it was 705 Fanshawe, our response was, this is perfect. That is a perfect location. We thought it was great. And then the pushback happened. And I couldn't 
figure that out because a lot of the people in my area thought that is great that motel is right there there's lots of businesses there's buses so they can get where they need to go very quickly it's 20 women and their children extremely low threat um so it was rather surprising i would say that you know some of the arguments that we saw come forward like the traffic one uh, was um you know don't not a lot of folks with cars going to be heading to stay there yeah, that's the yeah. first thing. And I mean, there's so much business that is going up there right now. Apartment buildings, different shops. There's so much um, construction there that honestly, it was already a motel before. You're just swapping out who the people are there. I would say that um, there's mixed, like per- particularly in Ward 7, Ward 6, there's there's a mixed view of this where everyone feels like we have to do something, but perhaps they don't want it quite so close. For us, we thought... That absolutely perfect location because I wasn't sure where they were going to put it I knew there was going to be something close by us I really had a feeling um, and I think they picked a great location I think it's going to work out well if the if the rezoning goes through yeah. and that'll be the the interesting part coming up uh, before we wrap up on on this subject we've gone on it for 20 minutes uh, I, I do want to ask each of you you know the, the next few weeks I think is going to be about having conversations surrounding all right, can we alleviate some concerns or can we get people sort of a little more on board with this? And I know that we've heard about, you know, businesses uh, being lost uh, in that sort of thing. I, that that argument doesn't really sway things for me because there's been all sorts of businesses that have gone under downtown and have pinned the homelessness crisis as a reason why. So doing, you know, businesses are being lost no matter what we do, sadly. Uh, how do we sell people on this, do you think? Like, you know, and, and I'll see you, Steve, first, because it's, uh, you know, you're a counselor. How, how do we sell Londoners on this who may have concerns, do you think? Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, for, I've already spoken to business owners and landowners uh, right beside uh, the proposed Topham Vanshaw. So let's look at the current state of affairs. Uh, there's needles around now. Yep. Uh, there's break-ins in, around now. There's employees, quite frankly, of the shops just beside Mastermind, uh, where female staff feel unsafe right now, uh, going to their cars. Um, so uh, there are safety concerns right now. How are that? How is that going to change when you have 20 women um, at uh, this location? Um, that's the question I'm going to ask staff at PAC. I'm going to listen to other concerns that folks might have that uh, are living nearby. Um, what are we going to see? Are we going to see increase in needles? Are we going to see increased in uh, open drug use? Are we going to see increased uh, uh, crime, theft, and vandalism? Um, no one knows for sure. So, uh, what are the, I guess I got? I, I just 20. got. I got. You know, you got to kind of. Um, project what you what you hear. What are the likelihoods of things happening? No one knows, quite frankly. Uh, no one can predict the future. But I think you got to look at okay, what's likely to happen? In my view, right now, just based on everything I've listened to and concerns, and I'm not saying it's locked into that because I'm open to to hearing, is that we got a tough situation up there, not just downtown, up there on Fanshawe in this area, and quite frankly, I don't see how that's going to get worse by having. 20 women in a very high secure environment with terrific support and health resources there 24 7 by the way i don't see how uh the safety concerns are going to be worsened i think they're going to get better but I, for sure i don't think they're going to get worsened so 
let's say for example, I, I'm on a I'm on an affordable housing uh, board, um, Residenza yep. Affordable Housing. Yep. We built two units, one for seniors and one for uh, you know veterans and and people with disabilities and um, general population right. uh, in the southeast or in the east end of the city on Hamilton Road. We can't have people smoke cigarettes in their units without getting in trouble from well in order to get federal and provincial money right we have to make that a part of our building code we have guys that get in there and it's the best thing they've ever done and they're so excited that they're go yeah i know i can't do that and and you know we got five veterans and a few, few people with disabilities out front eight of them in in the freezing cold in november smoking their cigarettes and having fun because they would not do anything to jeopardize their their spot in our building and holding that whereas in these hubs, uh, one standard of care, and remember, we've gone from one person on council being a lone wolf uh, against this plan to as many as six when it came to the Fanshawe hub. And the way we got from one to four, adding, I well, believe it was Van Meerbergen, Cuddy, and Hillier, was when the standard of care was added for harm reduction. So yes, it's 20 women there with children. Yes, it's, you know, low threat in terms of, of danger or theft and especially relative to people who look like you and me Craig quite right. frankly but that's who we're serving and if we're serving and it's being sold to the people of London that this is going to make things safer by putting people in this place how can we have our cake and eat it too there and if I was to propose a friendly amendment that no we should reserve the spaces in this facility for 20 women that are looking to get clean have gotten clean and we cannot and they, they, they cannot use drugs on site. So the same way they can't use drugs on site with affordable housing unit or units that, that I help govern or on the board mm -hmm. of, of directors, I should say. Is that something that will even be heard? I mean, they, these are the things that have eroded the support, went from 14 to 1 to as low as 9 to 6. And now it's a little bit split. We got these passed for I, sure. I, I'm going to, I'm going to be, well, I'm not even going to be cynical. I think I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, if this exact hub with these exact rules were, you know, a few kilometers east, Corinne Rahman would have supported it. Sure, absolutely. But so she, that still gets you to well, Corinne I, and Jerry were not part of the people that went from one to four. It no. was that four. Yeah, getting it, four was the harm reduction piece, which is what I'm speaking of. Then the added two were because yeah. of certainly because of location, absolutely, right. or in part because yeah. of location. But again, we are where we are, and we have to understand how we got to this point. And again, that's obviously something for counselors to, to decide and understand. But I mean, as they continue to raise money, I think there was a lot of expectations that there would be that $5 million raised by now, and I don't mm -hmm. think they're no. getting there. And I think people are pretty gun-shy when you, they start to see a lot of the uh, um, division or, or starting to split the vote on council. So, you know, um, there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uncertainty here, of course, and I think it's legitimate. And I'm not going to nut pick the people that say, "Oh, you know, we have a drive-through down the road or increased traffic." I mean, those certainly aren't my criticisms no. of the plan. And for those, I think there's plenty of people that have uh, legitimate criticisms of the plan that don't stoop to uh, a bit of a bizarre level like that. Yeah. I, well, Carol, you, he, we, Nathan mentions the the harm reduction aspect of this. Mm -hmm. Do you think they should have gone at it, th that from a different way? Where, where do you stand I on mean, that? I mean, 
I think if that was an issue that is maybe a sticking point for people, then perhaps for that one, like, sure, remove that aspect of it. And especially because it can be triggering for some of the people who are trying to get clean. That I agree with. That have others there that are using, and it could end up causing them to relapse. Mm. So in that aspect, like, I agree with you. If that is a way that they want to tackle it, definitely. Um, But, you know, for me, if if I was trying to sell it, I would, first of all, you know, same as what Steve said, there is already a problem in Northwest. I've done cigarette butt pickups and in the area around where my kids go to high school and in the stores, there are needles everywhere. And that's where kids are going to the Tim Hortons and everything. And so there is a problem there already and we have to address that. But for me, I'd be thinking more about the positives and I'd say like, look at all the great work that YOU has done, at Lowe's has done, CMHA. These are great organizations. We should really put our faith in them. We have an excellent opportunity right here to try something innovative and we should go for it and that's how I feel about it but yeah I I agree with you if this is a point where we say okay let's not have harm reduction there maybe that'll help and it will help the residents as well especially if it's mothers with children that are trying to get themselves clean you know that is something that could be looked into. And and, and here's here's what I said. And I talked about this with Melissa Sheehan on the podcast uh, last week. And I don't know if everyone had a chance to hear it, but Melissa said, "Look, places that she stayed, and she's dealt with homelessness for a lot of her adult life. Places that she stayed, sometimes it just gets out of control, and anyone who's trying to get clean can often backslide because there's just so much yeah. craziness going around. So I, I I don't think that 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 hey maybe this shouldn't be permitted is an unreasonable way to approach this for the folk for the sake of the folks who are going to be there in a lot of cases. Um, I still think that you can workshop that and still go ahead with the plan though. Yeah. And well, that's, that's where I'm at. If I could put a bow on it, just yeah. to get, I guess, build on what you're saying. If I was on the council floor last night and for those of you that are worried that I even said that I wasn't, I'm not on the yeah. council floor, but <laughs> if I was, and I know that the bylaws don't permit this an abstention actually is an automatic no vote, I guess, on, on anything. But if we did have a process by which a councillor could abstain their vote, even if they re- reject the vote, I will say this. The lead champion of this proposal is, of course, the mayor, Mayor right. Morgan. He was the one who brought it up in the state of the city. Yep. And he comes from Ward 7, the northwest end of the city in Hyde Park. So you have the first one that has the most, I guess, the most contentious one at this point, um, going into a ward where the, both the ward councillor and the mayor for the duration of the process were very supportive of this plan. And I would have abstained on the grounds that, hey, if there's a lot of criticism from the neighbors, at least they know exactly who to speak with. And that's their councillor who supported this plan from the beginning and the mayor who is from this neck of the woods. And you know what? If the mayor, frankly, it's a, a sign of courage, I would say, that he would actually, you know, support it in his backyard because, you know, we see other people that didn't necessarily do that. So, um, you know, that that would be where I would go with it so that, hey, if you have criticism, you know exactly who to speak with. And, uh, you know, he can defend the arguments that he's made from the, from the get-go. Yeah, there, there are people that were, I think, demonized a little bit in this process and that I had a very hard time with, too. The people who are going to stay there, for the most part, probably exclusively, good people that want to better their lives. And we should be, you know, helping that. We should be trying to foster that along, right? So um, enough about that. I do want to talk quickly about what's going on at 50 King before we wrap up our conversation here. And this week at Planning, which Steve is the chair of, there was a conversation about the biggest housing development in London's history. And it would be, I I think, transformational in the core. Steve, uh, again, you voted in favor. Uh, What did you like about this plan? Why do you think it was the, the right way forward here? 
Oh, well, there's just there's so many th aspects of this is just uh, so exciting. Um, one, uh, Carol, I think mm -hmm. it's a, terribly uh, supportive of the direction where those are focusing on our environment and our carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't think of a better thing to get uh, high density downtown so people can walk to work, walk to where they want to shop, bike mm -hmm. to the, the, you know, the Thames Valley Parkway. Um, if we, let's say, limited to that 35 story, I think that was uh, mentioned, mm -hmm. um, for both buildings, that would have required a, to get the same housing, a 25 story building built, what, up at uh, mm -hmm. Westmount or, you yeah. know, Hyde Park, where people are, have to drive downtown or try to find transit or bike. So from a green aspect, I think that's terrific. From uh, a housing uh, perspective, oh my gosh, like this is, this is exciting because I know York, they will build. Uh, there's some that are They're building their, right now. <laughs> there are some that get their zoning and they sit on it, and especially yeah. with high interest rates, some are delaying. Not York, they're gonna go ahead with this. From a heritage aspect, let's, there's, that was concern, right? With the county uh, courthouse. And I'll say this, by the way, there is some uh, s a suggestion that we, uh, the city, sold the land to York. We didn't. It wasn't owned by London, it was right. owned by Middlesex County. Right. And actually London tried to buy it from Middlesex County. Um, unfortunately, we didn't offer them enough money, even though we offered them a, a lot a, of money. A, a, a well above market rate, I yep. will say that. Um, so we go ahead. We've got the Middlesex County Courthouse, and I said, I don't. I the only time I see that courthouse is when I drive up Riverside Drive to downtown. Uh, I don't see it from downtown, and there's no one goes down to the Forks of Thames. Man, we how long have we been talking about energizing that area? Part of the York plan is they're working with our Parks Department, uh, build an esplanade, build a maybe even an amphitheater, really energize uh, the Forks. So exciting. Uh, boy, does it get London on the map. Uh, highest building all the way to, you know, Calgary or Edmonton, I think. Um, that gets national exposure. Businesses come to where uh, you have a dynamic core, which uh, this will certainly help. We're addressing the, some of the social issues we have for sure. Um, so I can go on and on. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, I, you can tell them I'm a big fan. I think this is, uh, can you imagine? London, Ontario, a 53-story building. Who would have thought, like, uh, eight years ago? Yeah, I, I think it's great as well. I'm for anything that is going to revitalize the core, number one. Um, increase our density because I do not like urban sprawl at all. And I don't see the point of going out and out into our farmland area, um, just having these single dwellings. I cannot stand big box retail where you're dependent on a car. So anything where you can bring people in, and I'm hoping from what I read, there's going to be offices and businesses at the bottom because this is a model that I like that I've seen in many cities that I've lived in. It's fantastic to have businesses underneath and people up above. It makes it much more energizing because then when people are walking by, they're not just walking in front of an apartment building they can't use, they're walking in front of a store that they can go into. And it just makes the, the um, you know, travel around the city that much more interesting. Um, I'm definitely all for also revitalizing down by the forks. I've said to many people, 
uh, that were in the city, different people I've talked to, they should really look to Oklahoma City. They've done great things with their waterfront and they really revitalized it to get people down to the core because they weren't having that. And there's uh, great options to learn from other cities of how they've done this when their city center was collapsing. So yeah, it's great. Um, I'm all for it. I think you both make uh, great points. I'm definitely a supporter of the plan as well. Um, I thought it was very professionally done um, uh, meeting, not to pander to you, uh, Councillor, but I thought it was very well done in terms of the public participation. Um, it's a big, it's, it's, it's a very unique piece of property and it was purchased for well above market uh, rate. I will say I've, I've, I've been the guy in the room spending other people's money in advance of this where I've, I know a guy that did bid on the, uh, this property and somebody who was considering doing so. And back then I'm, I was the one saying, hey, more, 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 because it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's fine. I think it sold for, are you allowed to say? I think it was 25 or 30, something like that, which was well above market at the time. But because it's such a beautiful piece of property in London, right across from Bud Gardens, right there, o overlooking the, uh, you know, Labatt Park and the river and everything. I mean, it, would, it, it was perfect. So I think it's great from a housing perspective, from a green perspective. Absolutely. I mean, where we would differ is I'm a both and guy. I want to build there and everywhere else, obviously. But um, I do think that uh, it, it's good. If there was one thing with this proposal and any others that I would want to uh, champion if I was there is, you know, beautification of the buildings. I think there's a lot of buildings that have been built that, um, you know, are great from a housing perspective, great from a density and, and green perspective. But, you know, then they get built and you look at it and you go, Hey, that's what we built. So, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's, we can make things that are beautiful uh, again. I think these drawings are great. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. But sometimes the drawing isn't what winds yeah. up being yeah. built. But when you know yeah. how much the, you know when you know how much these guys uh, I, I share I share yeah. your concern Nathan yeah. uh, I couldn't I can't tell you how much, how often I talk to developers about yeah. that and I'll say this about we're lucky in London we've we, there's been some mistakes there's no question we have developers that live here raise their kids here um, and will be grandparents here they're going to be driving by their buildings right. their kids are going to be driving by their buildings. Um, I said this at my, my first speeches at the Urban Design uh, Awards. I said, what you want to do is when you drive for, through past your building 20, 30 years from now, you want to say to your, your grandson, your dad built that. Right. So I think there is pride here in that. York is fully aware of the prominence that this will have. Yeah. Yeah, I think postcard shot was mentioned for sure. Um, and I think they take pride uh, in what they build. So... Looking at the renderings, um, uh, Craig, as you mentioned, um, I'm confident that they're, they're going to build a very attractive uh, uh, showpiece for, for our core. I would just, I just want to say, I would be amiss if I didn't say, I hope at least that they do a bird-friendly design so mm. we don't have lots of dead That birds. was in the staff, uh, yeah. the staff, the, the yeah. staff requests yeah. included um, doing some things with the windows to help yes. birds out. And then also we are still dealing with an urban heat island problem in the center of London, so be lovely if they can include a green wall or something but you know <laughs> we'll see uh I don't, was that part of the staff report steve i don't i know the bird well, thing was but i, I can't I remember the off the top was, of my head um again uh everything's not finalized right yes. they're still going to yeah. go to site plan site plan yeah we can talk about all sorts of things and, and, plan, you know, so. uh, and again in dealing with york uh uh they're pretty progressive in their ideas and um listen they they're business guys, right? They want to sell their condos or yeah. rent them. I think they're going to be condos for sale. Um, and those folks that are 
spending money to move to their buildings are demanding mm-hmm. the things that, yeah. that you talk about. Yeah, well, the and they should look to spending, places right? like Vancouver where Correct. a lot of the buildings down there have included a lot of green features, particularly green walls, green roofs, things like that. And people take them as a premium. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask you about, you know, obviously the, the conversation surrounding bonusing for affordable housing is different now than it was earlier. Um, the Ford government has, has, has made some alterations there, which I think have been a problem for, for a lot of councils. Uh, York has promised a $500,000 donation to Indwell as part of their, well, not part of, but, but as their affordable pitch here. What do you think of that? Well, uh, kudos to them because, as you said, Craig, um, to go up, usually you could, you know, if you're going up higher than the official plan uh, allows for, you, you can say, okay, well, we'll give you allowances. We're going to bonus you right. certain floors, but in return, you're going to give us X, know, amount, affordable X amount of affordable units. And then that was changed with Bill 23 from mm-hmm. the uh, provincial government back in January. Um, so now we don't have that leverage. I, we have what's called a soft leverage mm-hmm. where we say, you know what, um, here's what we're going to uh, look at permitting here. Boy, we could really use some help here. And York did not have to do that. Uh, York could have put the affordable units in their building there, but they said in the uh, uh, public participation uh, meeting that you know we don't we build apartments mm-hmm. we don't run affordable uh, units or but we would be happy to take the like money and put it over to the folks that are really good at it which Indowell is a fantastic supplier of affordable uh, and supportive housing quite frankly um, so to put half a million dollars over to them that might help them in Soho or who knows where they're, they're thinking, um, I thought was, uh, was a great way to address um, the concerns. I know Councillor Frank always asks about affordable housing on our behalf because we're obviously all kind of right. the same thing. Um, and she, uh, she was pleased with that, uh, with that response from York. As the director on Residenza Affordable Housing, I will not be shy for a shameless plug. We will accept any $500,000 donation from any developer <laughs> at any point. Um, having said that, there have been a, a ton of generous developers and other business people, and uh, we look forward to uh, building on those relationships. But the point being that you know, I, I definitely support uh, affordable housing being integrated into uh, most most uh, new builds. I, don't, I think that there's certainly room for, for some new builds that are, uh, that, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense, either financially or by virtue of what they're trying to build. Um, I also think there's room for what we do, which is, is kind of standalone affordable housing, where there's s- certainly some market rent, but there's minority piece, you know, 10% mm-hmm. of units or, or, or 20 or 5% are market rent, and the rest of them are affordable, uh, either 80% or 70% of what market rent is. And um, at, at, in that neighborhood, by the way, it gets, it gets a, a little complicated, but it's, it, it, it does work. We've seen the model work. Um, we do it for seniors, we do it for general population and veterans and, and persons with disabilities as well, uh, and it does work. So there's a lot of ways to do affordable housing, and um, you know, if they want to build something that doesn't necessarily include it or have it mandated, which of course we don't have that, the city doesn't have that hard leverage anymore, you know, I'm, I'm always, I think we're all happy to see a, a contribution yeah. of that magnitude. I, I will say I wish they had the hard leverage. Right. I, I, I do wish that that was still something that, because like, let, 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 use this as an example. So downtown zone for 35 stories, 
So you have 52 and you have 42. Uh, all of a sudden, that's what, 17 plus? That's 24 hypothetical affordable units we're not getting. Uh, now, is the $500,000 now better than having 24 affordable units that run out in, you know, let's say the building gets finished in 2040, like the, right. the, the, the 2045 or whatever yeah. is when that 25 years runs out? Um, the half million dollars now might have a bigger impact, of course. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think reasonable people can disagree there. Either way, if council still had that part of the negotiation available to them, maybe we'd be in a better situation here. Right? Like the, the problems did this because it wasn't going well in Toronto, but it was still working in London. I just so. want to talk yeah. about affordable housing of course. You know, as a concept. Uh, what, is, what is affordable housing? You know, affordable housing. 80% market rate is still well, pretty that, expensive these yeah. days. That's right. It, yep. That's what it is. Um, you know, I look at London Housing and others, and other Indowell and whatnot. Uh, you get housing where it's rent geared to income, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I think that is more valuable to a lot, a lot of than folks. an affordable unit. And these else. things, yep. these things go on for like 30, 50 years. So what's going to happen thirty years down the road? I'm in a, a, a apartment, uh, paying eighty percent of average market rate, a lot less than the rest of the people. City councils have come and gone, come and mm-hmm. come and come. And, like someone's monitoring it. And how long is that apartment being passed down to, well, the original guy is in there. Well, now he's a doctor, but he's not giving up that apartment because you know what? He's, that's a lot less rent. So maybe I'm subletting it. Maybe I'm giving it to a friend. Does it really get to the people in the long term that it was intended for? There, there's certainly checks and balances on the process. I could tell you that, you know, abs- absolutely rent geared to income just from the perspective of being less rent if somebody has to pay then it's going to be better affordable housing certainly going to be better but it also when you when you do something affordable and affordable i think technically defined is just anything that's a dollar or less than market rent within that um, census dissemination area so you know you can have 99 percent of market rent that's technically affordable so there's there's you know there's tricks with language there's always tricks with language obviously so the one thing I will say, though, is some of these things, it's easier to get built and get the pro forma and get the, um, you know, shovels in the ground and get these things built quicker if it's affordable rather than, than rent geared to income. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do one or the other, but, you know, you can do both and and certainly be able to help people uh, in the process. There's certainly room, again, for integrated into market rent. But, you know, for example, let's say there's a building that's got 80 percent market rent and 20% affordable units. Okay, that's great. Uh, we have a building in uh, on Hamilton Road that I believe is 80% affordable and 20% mm-hmm. market. Now those people who are in market rent are pretty happy with how we run the building and they're, you know, they're not complaining too much just, just with the way these things are. So, you know, you talk about the 50 year idea and what's in the future. I mean, if I could go back 50 years, I wouldn't personally build the the public housing that we see i mean that's a model that simply creates ghettos and people don't like it now we're trying to move away from that model and i think Mm -hmm. for good reason so you know we definitely have to um you know give ourselves room to adapt with the times and and see what the financial needs uh that are met we just need governments that are going to be able to support these types of things uh, in their financing well i know um you know we look at london community housing and increasing that stock i agree with you nathan on on uh, mixing uh, the apartments to, to get away from our ghettoization or for another uh, way you want to call it. Um, there has been discussion about including market rent. And the reason is economic, right? Because the market rent can pay for the building. Yeah, absolutely. There's no profit there, obviously. 
um, but it does pay for maintenance and all the other things that the rent geared to income doesn't match, right? So that has to be paid for by some some way uh, to to just maintain the property right. and to manage the property. So it's not a bad model, actually. Yeah, I I, I think that there's uh, there's obviously a lot a, a lot to like here. Do, do did they give you any timelines, Steve, on when they might get started on construction? When they think they might have this building done? Have they talked with you about that, or is that might maybe more of a site plan thing? Yeah, it, I think you know what I think it lands at site plan. The faster we can move at City Hall, which we're working on, by yeah, the way, yeah. uh, as you may know, we're, we're taking a lot of steps um, to doing whatever we can uh, from a City Hall point of view to get those shovels in the ground. I think York is keen to get on this as soon as possible. That's my take from them. Um, so as soon as uh, the site plan concerns can be be addressed, um, I'm, I'm fairly hopeful we'll, we'll get to see something within a year. I hope so too. They've uh, got the, the holes dug. Yeah, like, you're, you're I, like, I, you know, I walk, well, not dug, but yeah, it's, it's it's there. It's cleared out. I right? walk past yeah. it every single morning on my way to the yeah. office, and every single morning I say to myself, "Wouldn't it be cool if there's a big, uh, a couple of big apartment big, or a more big cranes. condo buildings? We want here. more yeah. cranes. Exactly, I love the cranes in the sky. Well, I, you know what? I also walk past the cranes at Centro there at uh, at Talbot and. Uh, is it guys? It's Fullerton. Either way, uh, I walk past those cranes, so yeah, and I can see the cranes that uh, that York has up at King. So yeah, there's lots oh, of cranes. Yeah. More cranes is good. I will More say there are good. some developers that currently yeah. have this notion idea that, uh, um, and for a variety of reasons, that if I build in the core, I'm not so sure I'm going to be able to rent out or sell the condos. And it's just, it's a fallacy that no, it, that's not how old Oak not feels. How that's not how right. York feels. Exactly. Like, you know? So th there's a lot of, um, I, I know there's a lot of money sitting on the sideline that, you know, oh, we got to build here. And nah, but, you know, people might not get it. It's like, guys, no, no. You build, they will come, especially when it comes to <laughs> residential in today's market, plain no. and simple. No. Uh, we'll leave the conversation there. Thank you so much to Carol and to Steve and to Nathan for uh, uh, doing the Friday Roundtable with us this week. Of course, the Craig Needles podcast is available at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and wherever you get your podcasts. And the Craig Needles podcast is brought to you by Clearview Autoglass. With a bit of bad luck, your windshield took one for the team and you've got to get it replaced. The good luck is you've got Clearview Autoglass. Certified in OptiAIM Lane Departure Camera Calibration Service, Clearview Autoglass will replace your windshield quickly and safely to ensure the integrity of your vehicle. And they will submit your claim directly to your insurance company for you. Plus, they'll give you a $25 gift card. Don't just drive, enjoy the view with Clearview Autoglass. 540 Clark Road and clearviewautoglasslondon.ca. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.